It's my fault. Most things are my fault, right? very busy in the back. Do you hear all that? Hey, Is it? <laughs> well, this feels right up there. No, not really. No, no. No, no. You know, I would say there was like a, it, it's really for me, there are times that I anticipate something is going to be a low. And it's also, it, it's, it's like a um, self-fulfilling prophecy. But there were, like, I had a meeting from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. for work one day this week. It was a lot more fun than I ever expected it to be because I went in feeling resentful. I'm like, I started at 5.30 this morning. Why am I still going at 8? It was, it was fine. It was, it was not as bad as I thought. Um, why are you moving away from me? Is it something? I want to make sure nothing's going to hit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was Actually, they said I was standing out front of this a lot, and so I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I have a little mark on my forehead. Okay, and next week maybe we won't worry about that. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know that I had anything particular low. It was just a, you know, I worked hard this week. I was tired a lot. That's kind of the way it is. But um, but I think a high this week would be the podcast. Your frustration leading into the recording completely erased my exhaustion. It did. It was it was perfect Schadenfreude. It was wonderful, and uh, you know, because sometimes seeing somebody else struggle ma helps me go, I'm all right. So, thanks. Overwhelmed is the word. Yeah, so those of you who couldn't hear what he said, so uh, we're going to be talking uh, Mark, but I can't remember which chapter. I just, I know it's the storm, and I know we're talking overwhelmed. Chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. 35 through 41. All right. Here we get. Okay. All right, hey, let's pray. I know that uh, I can speak for you guys, too. And, uh, Would you like me to pray? Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and take a moment uh, before we start worship, and we'll just say a quick prayer. <laughs> Father, I'm so grateful for 
for the, the way in which you elect to reach people. Uh, the, our in imperfection leads through you to the perfect message for people to hear it at, at the exact time that they need to hear it, uh, whatever, whatever format that happens to be. Lord, I pray that those of us who are here physically and those who are online right now, that they allow themselves to enter into this time with you, that they're willingly lay down their distractions. And I, if I may speak specifically to those of you who are online right now, look around you and just take a couple moments as we're starting worship to set aside what you don't need for the service today. Move those things out of the way, physically out of the way, mentally move them out of the way, uh, and just give this time to him who so richly deserves more than just an hour and ten minutes. That this can be that time specifically set aside, that in our hearts, minds, physically, that we give this to him. That we hear what you need to say to us and that we are open to glorifying you even amidst the, the challenges, even overwhelmed as we are with all the things in this remarkably challenging world. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. some of us feel that specifically and some of us endeavor to feel that way um message now is that right we're gonna pray okay um so go ahead and take a seat we're changing up the, the flow just a tiny bit this week um but let's go ahead and take a moment and and pray again just prepare um prepare ourselves to hear this message father i want to believe that whatever comes my way i trust you and if I'm going to be completely honest, I doubt. I do. There are definitely times where I feel like what I want is what I need and I will take or I will do what I want to do because I don't trust that you want what I want. Help me trust you more in those moments. In the times when I am weak or I'm scared, when I'm anxious, I don't know why the world acts the way that it does. That I would trust that, 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 my, that I would have a confidence in you that would allow these things to wash over my back, to be strong, to, um, to not just trust you, but to communicate to others that I trust you and that my confidence in you could be confidence for them. Father, help, help me and help all of us to lean into you more, to trust you more, to see you at work in the world, and to take those moments, those breaths, to recognize you moving in our world. Let us hear your word now, hear what you have to speak to us, that we can hear it and be changed.
Lord, in these moments, help me to communicate your, your word. Um, may it speak clearly and um, effectively into our lives that, um, that when we leave this place, we will be better uh, grounded in you to withstand the storms in our lives. We need to hear from you, Father. We need to hear from you, Jesus, not, not me. And so to that end, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So Mark 4. Overwhelmed. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Helpless. Maybe hopeless, like a circumstance just can't be fixed. Maybe a little fearful or just panicky over something that's going on. Disciples did. And Jesus met them in it. Do you ever wonder if things are going on in your life and you ask the question, God, do you actually, are you actually paying attention? Or do you actually care about what's happening here? That's the question they asked. We're looking in at this, this story that for some of you, you've heard many, 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 many times. It's the Je- Jesus calming the storm. And it begins um, actually in verse 1 of chapter 4. In, that, in, in, in verse 1, you see Jesus is by the shoreline, and he's teaching. He's, he's, he's teaching this massive crowd. They're pressing in, and so he steps back onto a boat, pulls out a little bit, and he's having the, and it, it's all of what we've been going through for the last couple of weeks, all these parables. But when we get to 35, he, it, the story picks up again, and he starts saying, okay, and he says to his disciples, we, we're going to cross the other side. In fact, it's may I. It, it, it's a request. As evening came, because he's been preaching the whole time, he said to his disciples, Hey, let's go across the other side. It's not quite a command. It's more like, this is what I want to do. I want to go to the other side of the lake. And unfortunately, this version has lake because it's not really a lake. When we think lake, we think maybe like Detroit Lake, right? It's a good-sized body of water. That's not what this is. Think more closer to Lake Erie. It's an ocean. It's a, it's a, it's a sea. It's huge. It's not a little body of water. And so he says, I want to go over there, cross the lake. And so they take Jesus as he is, it says in the next verse. Um, So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out. And and, and they didn't go to shore. There's a little phrase in some of your verses that, that says something like, as he was. It's like they didn't go back to the shore. They just simply said, okay pulled up the anchors and started away. And so they're starting out, and there's a lot of little details in this, in this story that, that are completely unnecessary to the story, which gives you the ring of this is a real memory. And this is, this is Peter's gospel, because Mark is the one who traveled with Peter. So this is clearly, this is, this is something that was seared in the memory of Peter, such as that there, there are other boats. They're never mentioned again, and it's not really critical to the story in any way. But it gives you a sense that that what's going to take place here was really significant 
to Peter. It was seared in his memory. Because it was a little traumatic, as we'll see. So they get in the boat, and they, they leave those crowds behind that he's been teaching the parables, and they head across. Now, let's talk about, so before we go forward, I want, I want you to visualize the boat. We think of, what size of boat are you thinking? Well, for those of you who are here, picture kind of this, the piano here, to just about the other side of that wall. And about, about as wide as it is the stage is up to this point, from the edge of the stage to here. It's only about eight feet. Eight feet wide at the widest, and only deep about this high. It ain't a huge boat to cross a sea. Big sea, and not a big boat. It's a little boat. Those of you who are online, maybe if you can't see the whole thing, think about a garage is typically about 20 feet. So about a garage and a half wide. Well, about a garage and a third wide, uh, long, and, and 10 feet is about a half a garage wide. So not a huge boat, not very deep. Had a big sail in the middle, and on the front and the back of the boat, there was a platform um, where they would stand either cast their nets or in the back. Uh, there is, in this case, there's a little cushion. And when we think cushion, I, you know, at first I was thinking like a bed. No, 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 it's not a bed. Think of a pillow, a little pillow that when you could lay on the deck board, you could put your head on it. That's the boat. And in the middle, you had some people who could row, and you had the nets. And so this, this is what we're talking about. Now, I do not like the ocean. I do not like them. Why? Because when I was a little kid, my parents had a boat. Smaller than this one, but not too much. And we would go out of Depot Bay, and we would go out of Newport Bay and other places, and the boat would be doing this. Scared the crud out of me as a kid. I do not like the ocean. But these guys, remember this, these, these men who are going out, as we get into this story, they are professionals. You need to remember that these people, they probably have been on the ocean maybe up to 6,000 times. A lot. And they're from families who are fishermen. Very experience. They are experts at this lake, and they've been on this lake. They know it backwards and forwards, fronts back. They understand this, uh, this lake, this Sea of Galilee that they're going to. And so, they're, so they st take, start taking off, and if you can imagine in your mind the, 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 uh, the, the imagery of this, they're crossing from the west going east, and on this lake there are mountains that go straight up, particularly on the eastern side where they're going. And to the north a little bit, there's a big mountain, the biggest mountain in the entire area called Mount Hermon. It rises 6,000 plus feet above sea level, but almost 8,000 from where they are because they're about 7,000 below sea level where they're at. It's, so it's way up there, and it's on the north end of the, of, of the lake, and they're going across it. And this place, this lake, because of the contrast, it can get a little stormy. And that's what happens, as we see next. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. So a picture this. Now, in this version, fierce storm. 
The, 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 the Greek word, to give you a, a better sense, is hurricane. This is an, oh, that's a nice little storm. No, it's not. Picture the boat going up and down, backwards and forwards, wind and waves, thunder coming down, wind blowing. It's loud, it's noisy, it's violent. The boat is being, fi- cr- cr- are, are being filled because waves, huge waves are crashing in over it. It is so frightening, it is so out of control that the disciples have come to the conclusion they're not going to make it. And remember I said these are professionals. Not landlubbers like us, okay, who don't spend a lot of time there. If I'm in a little storm, I go, oh gosh, I'm going to make it. They've been in hundreds, if not thousands of storms. They know when it's dangerous and when it's not. They know when it's hope is lost. This is that kind of a storm. It is that bad. Why is it memorable to Peter? I think partially because of this storm was that bad. That as they're going along, they have concluded that they're not going to make it. Jesus said, we're going to go across the lake, but they get on there and they're like, this storm comes up. And storms can come up on the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, quite suddenly. It's known for it. This is, this is common, but this storm is not common. It's the end. And so there's these, ac- up to this moment, there's been things happening where, you know, they're rowing, they're trying to keep keep the boat in the right place, you know, and peop- others are, 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 are throwing out water, trying to keep it, L- waves are crashing over, and they're doing it, people are trying to stay in the boat, and Jesus is at the back of the boat, taking a nap. Next verse. And Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat, astern, as some of your translations put with his head on a cushion. He's sleeping on a pillow. And the disciples wake him up saying, shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? You should read that a little harsh because it's meant to come across that way. Teacher, don't you care? There's panic here. We are, we're going to die here. The ship is going to break up and we're all going to drown. Do you not care at all about this? That's the attitude. Some of the other Gospels soften it a little bit, but this is a first-hand remembrance. This is Peter's. This is how Peter, and I, in my mind, I think this is Peter talking. I think the others speak, agree with him, but this sounds like Peter, you know? This is, uh, Peter was always the first to speak, and he was always a little bit more bold in how he talked to Jesus, as we'll see in a couple of ver- chapters down the line. He's like, teacher, what are you doing? We're dying. And he's saying that as the ship is flying all over the place and and, and the waves are coming over and there's like, they've lost hope. These professionals are afraid. They are overwhelmed. Because the boat is overwhelmed. So they finally go to Jesus, and they say, 
Don't you care? You ever get that point where you just go, Jesus, do you not care what's happening to me right now? That's where they're at. They're in a place where they can no longer save themselves. They feel helpless. They're afraid. They're panicking. This is their moment. This is the moment where Peter thought he was going to die. And so they finally go to Jesus. And you know how it happens next, but let's, let's read it. So when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Now some of the pictures you might see online is of Jesus on the bow. That's not the sense. The sense is he woke up, leaned up from his cushion, and said a couple of words, and, and then he's going to have a little bit of a conversation with him. But it's so in, in the context of the drama unfolding around them, the waves and the wind, the loud crashing of the waves, the loud crashing of the, of the thunder and the lightning and the wind and all of that, is the very opposite of what Jesus does. He sits up, and he says to the wind and to the waves, shut up. Calm down, sit down. And that's it. That's it. He does speak to them as if it's a person. He speaks to him using actually the writer is using the same language he would use when he when he's talking about exorcisms, which is a little curious. Now there's a couple pieces I want before we move forward. I, I want you to to get to finish the story in terms of what's happening. So he says these words, and it's not like you might imagine where. So, you know, the wind starts dying down, and within a couple of minutes, it's, no, the, the, the verbs that are being said here is, is punctual, it's, 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 it's very quick. And so the image is, is, is if somebody turned the stereo off with the sound, it's, that it was loud and then no sound. Like someone in a bathtub filled with water and you have the shower and you can remember, if you can imagine that and the water's just chopping like this and somebody turns the, fa the faucet off and suddenly it's smooth as glass. That's the image. It's an instant transformative moment where one moment the waves are crazy and there's lightning and thunder and rain and then the next moment there's nothing. No wind, no rain, no thunder, no waves, none of the, it's a smooth. Now, a couple of things. He's going to ask them a question, and they're going to have a response. So let me help just kind of give you an image a little bit what's going on here so you get a sense of why they and they're going to respond the way they are. I mentioned this, is a, this is, has exorcism kind of mentality. And part of the reason for that is there is, there is images here that we in modern America, modern Western culture, can miss. And it has to do particularly with that mountain that I said, Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is a very well-known mountain in the area. It is the home of Baal worship. It is the place that, according to Jewish views, 
This is where all of the angels who fell, they drop down in that mountain. This is the center of pagan worship. Baal worship is there. And Baal, who is one of the chief, if not the chief deity that is opposing Yahweh in the area, is the god of the storm. He's the storm god. He's the god of thunder and lightning. He's the god of, of the wind and the waves. And Jesus is right under his mountain, in his location. And so there's this image here of what's happened, uh, that this is not just a normal storm. Yes, of course. Back then, they understood that, that the gods did not control everything, but when something weird or particularly noteworthy occurs, the general sense is, yeah, there's probably a deity involved in this. Now, I need to have a little bit of a, we need to step back for a moment and set aside our own culture for a, a little bit more. The Enlightenment, which happened several hundred years ago, made us all here think, have our to the point where it's an assumption that when we hear tales and things like Zeus, what is that? That's a that's a, that's a fairy tale. It's a, it, it's a made up story. It, it's just it's it, it's a folklore. But if we're to have the biblical worldview, it's not. For their perspective, there are real spiritual beings behind these tales, these images. And just as Zeus and is the god of, what's he known for? Does anybody remember? It's the god of thunder and lightning, right? It's the Greek name for Baal. It's the same god. They just called him something different. And by the way, to us Marvel fans, uh, Thor, <laughs> it's all the same guy. And if you go back one chapter, who is Baal? From their perspective, that's Satan. And so this is what's happened. This is the image here. But we, we, as, we as enlightenment people, we hear these stories and we think, yeah, but we know they're not real. Okay. But what if the enlightenment is not entirely true? Okay. We need, we need to recover the supernatural worldview of the Bible. I'm not saying it's all right, but it's not entirely wrong either. The Bible speaks that there are actual spiritual beings behind these things. They're liars. They're not real deities. They're not real gods, but they are spiritual beings who pretend to be and want to be worshipped. And they oppose God. And so all of this is happening, and, they, and, and Peter and the disciples, they know this. This is, this is assumed here. And so on one hand, Jesus is dealing with nature. He is the God over nature. But there is implications of that this is a spiritual conflict as well. And so when Jesus gets up and he, he does this and he says, in an exorcism language, it's as if he's dealing with a deity that, or a, a spiritual being that pretends to be and saying, shut up, be still. The same language, the same commands you'll use 
in other places for unclean spirits be done. And he does it effortlessly. He's proclaiming that he is the great God of gods. He is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of creation. He is Yahweh in the flesh. Because only God, Yahweh, can do what Jesus just did. And we can see it in a couple of places in the Old Testament. Psalm 107, for example. Psalm 107 is, is a, interestingly, a near pa parallel to this. And so, if we could turn over to Psalm 107. I think. Should be in there. Psalm 107. There we go. Nope. Nope. I'll, I'll look it up here. That's fine. Psalm 107. I can just, I should just do it this way. It's easier on my poor, uh, poor people on there. Psalm 107. Oh, you got it. Psalm 107, verse starting verse 20. And then they cried to the Lord, to Yahweh, in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. Next verse. And he did what? This is Psalm 107. And he made the storm still, and the waves were hushed. Yeah. This is what he does. Yahweh does this. Then they were glad, and the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. It's almost like he's fulfilling Psalm 107. Another place we can see this, and there's several others, but Psalm, is eight, Psalm 89 is another place that we can see here. For who in the skies or the heavens can be compared to Yahweh, the God of Israel? Who among the heavenly beings, spiritual beings in the spiritual beings in the spiritual realm, other things that pretend to be God, is like Yahweh? Next verse. He is a God greatly to be feared. He in the council of his holy ones, the awesome. He is awesome. He is awesome. He is above all of the other gods and the, in, in the people who pretend to be gods. He is a God greatly to be feared in the council. Next verse. O Lord, God of hosts, who is, who is mighty as you, O Lord, with all your faithfulness around you. Do we have one more verse? We should. You rule the raging sea. When the waves rise, you still them. See, Peter and them know these verses. Jesus is acting only as God acts in this moment. And this is also a moment where Jesus is saying to the other deities in the area, I'm greater than you. Worship me. Bow down to me. And so going back to Mark, Jesus says to them, after stilling this, why are you afraid? Why, why have you have no faith? And their response is, and they were filled with fear and said to one another, who then is this that the wind and the waves obey him? They were afraid before because they were going to die. Now they went from fear of death to a greater fear. Because the person that's in the boat with them is more dangerous than the storm. Because this is God in the flesh. 
Because only God does this stuff. Only God does this. Now, earlier in, in, in Mark, we heard Jesus doing something that only God can do, forgiving sins. And they're like, okay, you can say that. And he's been doing things like amazing things, like healing people. Okay. But now in this moment where they are faced with something that clearly no human being can deal with, and Jesus, with just a word, salt calms the, the wind. They are terrified because they realize who he really is. He is God, and he can deal with any issue that happens in your life. But he asks them, why don't you have any faith? Why is he rebuking them? Is it because he didn't, they didn't think he could deal with it? I think it's not quite that. Remember their question, don't you care? I think, the I think the issue is, is didn't you have faith in me to know that, that I actually care about what's happening in your life? Don't you don't have faith in my love for you? He rebukes them he, that, that, he's, that they're questioning his care for them. That's the, that's what, that's the problem. Because sometimes we take this, this story and what we do with it is we, we, we believe that God's going to get us successfully, wonderfully to, to have a great life through a storm and everything's going to turn out rosy. But we all know that that doesn't always happen, does it? Because sometimes Jesus takes us into a storm and the boat goes down. We're going to sing a song after this, uh, How Great Thou Art, which is about that very thing where a, the writer's family boat went down no the problem is the issue is is do you trust his care and that his promises will be kept now in this case his his word was we're going to the other side so they got to the other side but he's never promised us that he's going to get us to the other side through difficulties in this life what he's promised us is that he will be with us in the storm, and he will get us to eternity in his presence. Those are the promises. That famous verse that we so many times hear, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. And unfortunately, we take those so many times and we think, oh, life is going to go great for me. I may have hard times now, but in the end, it's going to be really good. But that's not what that verse is saying. It's saying, I know the plans I have for you, and they're good, but you're going to go through really hard times first. And those hard times might end in your death, but death is not the end. It's just the beginning. So what is your storm? What is your storm? What is it that makes you feel overwhelmed? Panicky. Like you just can't fix this problem. That, that, that makes you go, God, do you care about what's happening in this life, in, in, in me, to me right now, in this circumstance? What's your storm? What I want, it, want us to do for those of you who are online, you have time to do this. For those of us who are at home or here, here in this, in, at the church, take some time and, and figure out what your storm is. 
here's your clear act, act key steps. I want you to take some time to, to, to talk to Jesus and say, what is your storm and what are you feeling about it? This is an emotional story. It's meant to be emotional. What is the emotions that you are feeling when you're about what's happening in your life? On that, maybe, maybe most of your life is great. Wonderful. Praise God if it is. But there's a particular area you're like, I'm feeling really overwhelmed about this. Tell him what you feel about it. And then what do you want him to do? And then finally, thank him for his care. That he's bigger than any issue you have. If he can handle this storm, he can handle your storm. Nothing is too big for him. That's, that's part of the point of the story. Is he took these men and he put them in the place of their expertise, their strength, what they're really good at. And he said, I am going to put you in a place where you're going to realize there comes a place where human abilities stop. And I'm going to show you I'm bigger than that. I am your good shepherd. I will get you through it. I will get, I will fulfill every one of my promises. And I will be with you in the boat as you go through it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the storm, this true parable, parable of a real life moment in the life of Peter and the, in the, in the, the, the lesson for us that Jesus, you are greater than, than all the forces in the world, whether it's nat natural, whether it's spiritual, whether it's our own abilities, and you are effortlessly greater. We believe that you, that you are kind and you love us and you are concerned about us. Oh, help our unbelief that doubts that at times. Help our unbelief that doubts your capability to deal with these problems. Help us to rest in you that you can handle it when we know that we can't anymore. In Jesus' name. talk now your turn you know uh gosh there's a lot of stuff what's my storm i have a just briefly it's not this thing at the moment it's the thing over time like how can i sustain what i'm doing i feel like i can handle it for five minutes how do i do it for another 30 years or whatever the the immensity of that overwhelms me more than like the immediacy but that's mine um, and I was also thinking about as a parent when you like if you've got a kid who's got a um, uh, a sliver and you get a needle to try to get the sliver out because that's what you do right and the kids like what are you doing right and they freak out and you're like there's a frustration would you just chill out for a minute so that I can fix this 
And I think about a little bit about Jesus' response being like, oh, okay, shut up. You know, I got this covered. Don't you trust me enough that I'm not here to hurt you, that I, I have the best in mind for you? Yeah. Uh, and that's hard when yeah. a, a needle that your mom just had a lighter on to heat it up so it would be, right? This is what we did, right? And still, everyone's <laughs> like, "Yeah, that's yeah, what we still do." By the way, um, yeah. So first, we soak it in the water so it softens up. But yeah, I, it's it's really hard as a kid without that perspective to see that this is painful, and and you're going to make it more painful. I don't understand that at all. Uh, and but that's sometimes what happens. And we understand as parents, don't we, that. That what the child thinks is really bad and horrible and is just, you're blowing it out of proportion, <laughs> right? And then we grow up and we think, but, but these are real issues. But from God's perspective, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. This, this is a conversation we had during the outage with Sam. Remember when that thing from Amazon took two more days than you thought to show up and how the world was falling apart? We haven't had power for 10 days. So next time something's late from Amazon, it's going to be okay, buddy. It's going <laughs> to be okay. It doesn't really resonate, though. Next time he ordered something, he's like, where is it? Oh, because we easily forget. Yeah. All yeah. right. So we're going to take some time and sing some more. Take this time to think about what's overwhelming you. And if you don't have to sing, this is a church is participatory. It's not something you should just sit here and watch, whether here in church or online. This is God engaging you. Respond. And maybe that's just worship in this moment. Maybe it's you need to just bow your head and you need to talk to God about the things that are overwhelming you. And telling him, hey, I trust you. All of this predicates on something that you're his disciple that you're in you've chosen to, for him to be in your boat and you don't have to be perfect to be a, a follower of jesus you need to say i do trust you i do want you in my life forgive my sin forgive me of the, of the ways and times that I've, I've fallen away and i haven't done what you wanted me to do i just i need you and that's what communion is that you trust him, and every time we do this, we do this every week, we're saying once again, Jesus, I need you, I want you, I want you in my life. So if you're online, and if you've never done that, do it today. He won't reject you. And he will be with you in the storm, and he will get you to the other side of life and be with him in eternity. After Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he says, this is my body given for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. There's a new agreement that's based on my actions, not yours. Take and eat and proclaim the Lord to death until he comes again. The body and blood of Christ given for you.
as you go out into to the day. Let me bless you. May the from from Numbers 20, 23, verse sixty seven. It's this beautiful blessing that Aaron was told to give the people of God. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace in whatever storm you have. Amen. See you next week.